Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Snapshot, episode 52. I'm Brennan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom KM Best. And 52 weeks is one year. We have hit our one-year episode. We have something special um, we'll be doing for this episode. Basically, a very long bend in Snap section. We're going to be going yep. quite outside the reins of Marvel Snap. Um, we sourced questions from both YouTube and the KM Best Discord, and I think we have some very, very interesting ones queued up for you. But before that, Cam, how was your week in Marvel Snap? Twitch drops are back. I actually looked at the yes. twitch, twitch drops for i was like what kind of new variants are they coming up with it seems like, <laughs> I, I actually thought that was like they just have new ones all th- oh it's a mystery variant okay that makes sense yeah uh so fun fact i actually have not gotten my own twitch drops yet mm. um because i keep forgetting to leave my own stream on when i'm streaming so i don't even think i've gotten the first one yet i'll get it eventually i'm sure because I, I i watch people after me like most days uh you know dara and uh like Revis some of the time I'll, I'll I'll just be watching them Dara Revis Woody Binks sometimes mm-hmm. and that like that those are the people that I'll probably end up just getting my drops off of but like I just I've completely forgotten to like try to farm it yeah my week in Marvel Snap uh it's a weird meta game that I haven't fully solved but my Loki win rate is 68% but then I played it today and it was terrible and then I farmed a bunch on the hot location and now I'm like rank 37 at the time of recording. And I feel like I'm like the only person climbing on the hot location because everyone else is like, fuck this. I don't want to deal with this. Uh, and so like I'm climbing on the hot location. So I did, I did OK. And uh, yeah, it's just weird, right? Like we've gone from. Over the course of a year, we've gone from me being afraid that all I was doing was farming bots to, you know, I actually am of very good Marvel Snap player that you can learn from. <laughs> yeah, you basically, you, know. you have such an antithetical experience nowadays because you play like literally just the hardest players in the game. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, I mean, that's a that, good thing. That, that's, it's obviously better than where we used to be where you people were stuck in bot ELO. I mean, that honestly, regardless of the player experience, that was just terrible for content. Like all the top Marvel mm-hmm. Snap streams are just <laughs> the best players farming bots. So I remember... It I, gets, it gets... One thing that I see sometimes is people were like, Okay, oh, you loved it when you were just farming bots. And I got to tell you, I hated it. I think it killed my viewership in a significant way. Mm. Like, I, I think that it was very, very, very bad. And I think specifically, I would point to part of the reason why Dara popped off, other than, you know, being awesome, is that he's purposely kept his elo low mm. so that he wasn't in that situation. I think I have like two accounts as well. But um, yeah, actually, mm-hmm. I popped in today and I saw EQ against Dara. And it it just reminded me of like this how the system is like yeah. I don't know what it's like to queue into actually like the top elo people. I think it's a it's a good system. I mean that's how card game should be, um, especially the mm-hmm. top ladder. So it's good to see that. Anyway, you play all the time. <laughs> like he's probably my single most common opponent. Yeah. Oh, in regards to there's one thing you said there as well. How like the bot the bots killed your viewership early. I, I think you got away with a little bit more in the early days though because people were very much very new to the game. I think right. you were like way ahead of the curve back then. I mean, you're still relatively ahead of the curve, but back then it was like Cam was brewing up some decks. <laughs> so that was towards the mid game of it, though, like just before, like the couple months before Conquest came out. Mm-hmm. I remember being very vocal about how awful the bots were all the time. Yeah, I was I was I was a big anti bot gamer. I still am a big anti bot gamer. I love free wins. 
but not at the expense of actually knowing how to help you guys rank up. Yeah. I mean, we talked about in this, po- this podcast ad nauseum uh, back in the day. Anyway, let's talk, God. let's talk about the, I'm, ing- so, I'm so nostalgic right now. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. I know it's, 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 it's pretty crazy. And to think about all the guests we had on over the, the past year as well. Um, it's just been, mm-hmm. it's been quite a journey. The game's changed a lot. I mean, both of you, both you and I have traveled across the world, uh, to play the game as well. So and we'll get into all that. We got tons of questions before we get there. Let's talk about what's, what shook up the metagame. We had the recent OTA. Uh, just want to get your thoughts. So starting off here, we had Professor X, which is previously a 5-3 that said ongoing lockdown, uh, this location. So nothing can be played, added, removed, et cetera. Um, it has now moved to 5-1. So pretty significant nerf. How did this affect, um, the strategies that are utilizing this card? Well, the first thing that happened was a bunch of really annoying people got on Twitter and said, actually, they buffed her with Ravona and negative, mm. uh, which is a thing that happens anytime any card loses power. A bunch of people will be like, oh, they made it stronger with Mr. Negative. And this has happened with Angela when she went to a 2-0, Bishop when he went to a 3-1. Any card losing power, someone is like, that's OP and negative now. And I am here to tell you, it doesn't solve a single problem in that deck. It solves zero problems. It solves the problem of sometimes you win. <laughs> like that's that's the problem that Professor X in that deck is solving. Like yeah. it's 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 a pretty bad card right now. Second, My instinct would be that the current Professor X is genuinely actively not good. Mm. Second dinner is also explicitly said publicly that they do not balance for Mr. Negative <laughs> whatsoever. I yeah, said that every time today. someone's like, do you think you shouldn't you shouldn't nerf this card because of Mr. Negative? It's just like, no, that deck is not good. OK, yeah. Next one is Werewolf by Night. Previously, a 3-3 is now 4-4. Four, four. Um, the text says after you play an on reveal at another location. Uh, sorry, move there and get it's the same text, bro. Yeah. I know. It's, just, same, I, it's, it's so small on this, like because I use the picture <laughs> off of Marvel Snap Zone. I was like, what the hell is this like microscopic? Uh, what is this? A picture for ants? <laughs> What are these seats for ants? Uh, anyway, it moves from a 3-3 to a 4-4. Four, four. Talk to me about it's it. It's actually, that's actually like a, they, I'm not going to get too far out ahead of myself because, you know, Celine is coming out and I'm excited to see if Werewolf Annihilus Bounce can be a thing, but uh, they kind of killed this card. Mm. Like, I, I realize that is definitely getting too far out ahead of myself. Please nobody like clip that and then play it back when it ends up being okay again. Like, I just, it's really quite bad. It's a 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> It, it went from the best scaling threat in the game to it's pretty good. Mm. And a lot of the decks that needed it to be there, especially Annihilus Bounce, they needed it to be a three drop because of how it conflicts with their top end. And because it's not a three drop now, it is so much worse <laughs> than it used to be. It's very, very much worse than it used to be. And this sort of raises an old question, which is. How do you ever feel safe investing in anything in this game when the things that are too strong get nerfed with such regularity? Like at this point, what we're looking at now is a metagame that is like, okay, uh, we got some Loki stuff. We got some Miss Marvel stuff. I would be shocked if those were not in a balance patch on January 9th. Mm. I'd be shocked. Like it would be very surprising to me. It's it's all a function of speed, though, right? Because like in any card game, you're faced with that paradigm of buying into the best deck and it potentially getting banned. But a Marvel mm-hmm. Snap, it happens like very, very it happens frequently. Happens so fast, like week yes. by like week by week. You know, I mean, every two weeks, every month. Um, you know, just to hit the bingo card and talk about Flesh and Blood for a sec. Flesh and Blood has a delightful system where 
Uh, you buy the best deck. I mean, because it's the best deck, it will get banned <laughs> because it rotates out due to accumulating points from wins. So, yeah, I mean, it's a weird paradigm. It's like, what do you tell a new player? It's like, do you buy the best deck? Do you buy like these cards that you feel like you need to have to compete? Or do you kind of buy some, you know, stay like in the, the mid-level power and just hope that flows to the top? I don't think there is an answer, to be honest. I don't think there is. I just gotta I, just wait, I just wail harder. Just wail harder. That's, <laughs> a, that's a solution. I mean, the answer previously has just been get Loki. But like then you like that then you blew six K on the werewolf for the Loki, right? So it's like, oh man, that's kind of tough because now you're cutting werewolf for like bishop or whatever. Gotta figure out what your tech cards are gonna be now. You could be like Lambie, play like Zabu Loki, and just play like both Ench and Shang out of deference to all the ongoing stuff. There's just it's a tough meta to figure out if you want to be a deck that is not an all-in combo deck. It's a tough meta to figure out. Mm. All right. Well, Black Widow moves from a 2-1 uh, to a 3-3. Three, three. How do you feel about that? This is the other thing that killed the Annihilus Bounce deck. Yeah, it makes sense. The Annihilus Bounce had like the god curve where you would just go like uh, one drop Black Widow, Wolf, one drop Beast. And it was just like the most disgusting thing you could ever do in the entire game. And now it does not have access to that. And I think Black Widow, actually, the really interesting part of Black Widow for me is, is she better than Rock Slide in Dark Hawk decks? And the way I think about it is on turn three, she is effectively a three six if you have the Dark Hawk, but her effect is more guaranteed. And if you don't have the Dark Hawk, she's better. But later, like if you play her on turn five, she's not actually going to give that minus one. So she's a three five on turn five with the Dark Hawk. And on turn six, she's just a three, three where rock slide is a three, seven with a dark hawk. So like there's this sort of give and take between them where I don't know which one is better in the deck right now. And it's actually, I think, a very interesting question to really reason through. And uh, I do think that it'll be sort of contextual, like when you need to make sure they're not drawing cards, Black Widow might end up taking that spot. And I think mm -hmm. that's interesting. But I've also noted that. One of the things they like doing to these cards, you know, Rock Slide, Black Widow, they're just like flex tape memes slapping 3-3 three, three stat lines on them because that's a very hard stat line to abuse, right? Yeah. That stat line can only really synergize with Silver Surfer, whereas a 2, obviously, you, you do that in your Beast deck, right? And a 4, uh, that goes in the Zabu deck. So, like, they just keep slapping 3-3s three on it just to, like, make it so it's not as easy of a synergy with Darkhawk because basically every other energy cost is too good with Darkhawk in the game. Yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense, uh, which is funny. All right, Martyr. This, so Martyr actually had a change that we talked about when we reviewed the card for the first time. And like before yeah. it came out, we were like, oh, there should probably be a 1-5. Uh, you know, have that sort of Titania stat line. They've changed it yeah. from a 1-4 to 1-5. How do you feel about the card now? Is it still... It's an actual card now. Like, it's not a good card, but it previously was not a card, right? Previously, if you were playing Martyr, the best thing you were doing was like, I'm going to take priority with this and then like Professor X or something. And currently, in almost every other situation, it would be like, well, why don't you just play Ant-Man? Because unless you're looking for specifically priority, there's no reason to play Martyr over Ant-Man. And there's a lot of reasons not to. And now, though, you can actually look at her and be like, oh, OK, I get it. If I don't have priority, this is actually one point better than Ant-Man if I fill up every lane. There's a it's a card now. It has a role. It exists. And while I don't think it's going to be particularly good. 
I'm happy that it exists. I think that's good. I think that like going from not being a card to being a card is good. I like that. The Ant-Man comparison is just actually hilarious. Like on release. It sucks. It's like, <laughs> it's like why? What were you cooking? I don't know. All right. Viper moves from a 2-3 to a 3-4. Like you said, it's moved up to that three cost stat line. It's not exactly a 3-3, three, three, but now it's 3-4. Um, mm-hmm. Does this kill the card or is it? How do you feel about I, it? Viper was never a card. Uh, I've been seeing people saying like, oh, yeah, Lambie broke it with the Viper Havoc combo. And I am here to report that I promise you it sucked. Like Lambie was able to play that because the rest of the deck carried it and he valued the snap equity it gave him. It was probably not the best configuration of that deck. It was just a place you could use Havoc. And I think if you go and read what he said, he's saying much the same thing. Mm. And the idea that they did this because that combo was too strong is flat out ridiculous. They actually name checked it. They were like, yeah, we're not doing it because of the combo. We tested it and it sucked, but the meta is different and we don't want that combo to ever have the chance to be good. Mm. So we're just going to do this anyway. We were kind of looking at making this change to Viper anyway. I do think one place it actually does suck, though, is in a deck that's looking to do Sentry Viper turn six. That's just that's just something I thought about where it's like I can't do that anymore. And that kind of sucks. All right. Ronan, the accuser, moves from five, three to five, five. I mean, has been one of those cards it's <clears throat> i feel like it's been in a weird spot right because you look at its its counterpart which is devil dinosaur and devil dinosaur i feel like competes with it in a much better way you're getting the card yep. advantage it's easier to reach the threshold etc but i've played road and Accu- the accuser decks that i mean they were fine to be honest like back when master mold came out and things like that how do you think about this plus two to the power is it is it make the card more playable can it actually compete with yes. the devil dinosaur it's a real card now it's the same as the martyr thing right Previously, you're playing Ronin. There's no reason not to play Dino instead. Just absolutely zero. No reason. And now it's a real card. It's like, oh, the reason is it's bigger at base. You Enchantress this. It's still a five five. Hey, that's pretty cool. Like you, it it gets pretty big. It gets comparably big. And now you're being rewarded for disrupting them with cards like Master Mold. Oh, that's cool. Nice. I like that. That's good. There's a there's a niche for it now. I'm actually playing Ronin in a lockdown deck. Uh, which is basically just like it's the same lockdown deck we've been playing. It's still a Miss Marvel deck, but because you have Ronin, it gets you Mystique in the lockdown deck where previously you were playing things like Gamora. Now you have Miss Marvel Mystique. You have Ronin Mystique. You have like multiple really, really, really good hits off that Mystique. So you get some additional flexibility in your lockdown deck. Of course, you are still just like a Storm Nebula Miss Marvel Doom deck. But you have this additional big power plan. You have like late Maximuses. You have master molds for disruption. It's felt very good, honestly, mm-hmm. in a surprising way for me, where it's just like, oh, that's the Ronin deck. It's unplayable, except no, I think it actually like has some juice. I'm not sure this is the metagame for it, but the deck has juice for mm-hmm. sure. Well, speaking of Maximus, Maximus moved from a 3-7 to a 2-6. I mean, this changes... Mm-hmm interesting to me what what's, I like it. what's the idea behind it i mean i felt like maximus at three i i wouldn't have seen this coming i'll say i'll say that i wouldn't have seen it coming either and the interesting thing is in the decks that i play maximus in it's like you know i i'd be fine if he was still three seven mm. <laughs> like i'm playing him with mystique a lot of the time i don't really have a one to make up that final one it's like oh mystique maximus and i'm just floating one energy cool but i think they were just trying to push him in a direction where he is one of the things I've critiqued a lot about the two drop slot in Marvel Snap is how little variety there is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good that they're adding more variety to the two drop slot. Yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with Maximus. There's a lot of different things in three drops. 
Yeah. And currently there are not a lot of different things in twos. Maybe I'm and a, I think that's good. Maybe I'm a Timmy, but I just feel like playing this at one cost and like a Sarah deck, which is I know I know the issues with Sarah deck. It's just crazy. <laughs> it already felt pretty crazy yeah. back in the day when you were playing it uh, in like the OG Sarah. But I don't know. It is good, definitely. If you're in that context, a funny Marvel Snap little history thing for people listening, and uh, you can vouch for the validity of this statement, mm. Cam, as well. It's like back in like the global release, maybe a little before that. People unironically played Maximus as like a three drop threat curve. Like just the That's not outline. true. It was true. I swear to God. People definitely people did that. People did that in one deck ever. And they it was crazy. Leech Leader. They were crazy. It was Leech Leader. And the reason you could do that in Leech Leader is because of Leech and Leader. Mm. It doesn't matter how many cards your opponent is drawing if you A, get rid of all of them that matter, and B, copy the ones that you played in the final turn. And so for that reason, you'd play Maximus for priority some of the time. That's the only time that was ever true. I definitely had some bad advice given to me regarding the, the three jump slot. <laughs> I was just like, I just it just blew my mind. Because obviously you play Maximus on the final turn of the game. Yeah, it doesn't have the same effect. But the idea that you would like tempo Maximus on turn three was just like, I was like, what? <laughs> you can't draw your opponent two cards. Anyway, Gladiator. Uh, what was that? Yeah. No, you, you would tempo him as long as those cards didn't matter, right? Because in Marvel Snap, cards in your hand don't matter unless you play them. Mm -hmm. They only matter insofar as choosing the best option in your deck. And so if you are able to have a plan like Leech Leader that just like totally blanks everything your opponent is doing, then yeah, you can just play a 3-7. Who cares? All right. Next up, we got Gladiator. Gladiator moving from a 3-7 to a 3-8. I like this a lot. Yeah. This seems I, powerful. I, I see 3-8 and I'm just like, let's go. Let's go. That said, I have definitely lost because like Gladiator pulled Blob or whatever. Yeah, that, that that's happened. But like most of the time, he's just a 3-8. He's blown up the thing. Yeah. yeah. He's just 3-8. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> this, is yeah. a, this is an interesting change. Um I like it. I mean, I think the card was significantly better at that <laughs> that plus one power because I mean, it just it just it drastically increases your range of cards that you can hit, um, and yeah, it makes the card so much better. Because if if you are pulling things and not destroying them, this card is debatably terrible. I mean, we talked about this yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. So it's very very important to have that plus one power. Anyway, on to the last one here, which is the Punisher. Uh, the Punisher moves from a three two to a three three. I don't know about you, Cam. I haven't, I haven't had the pull one, pull two, pull three experience for a long time, but I remember when I did, this card was a house. I do too, actually. Back in pool one, it was like you'd play Punisher and Kazarzu, mm -hmm. expecting Kazarzu mirrors. But now I think the pool one meta is probably a little more dino centric. Mm -hmm. I think that probably got figured out at some point. And so you maybe end up in a different scenario. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I don't know, though. It depends on when you unlock certain things. I remember when I did the pool one, pool two challenge, I built Dino and it was very good. But pool one and pool two have changed a little bit since then. One deck that I think consistently sees buffs in pool one, pool two is ongoing. Yeah. Sentry, Namor, and now this. Mm -hmm. Like at, at some point, it just ends up having just a pretty decent amount of stats when you are just like a century ongoing deck. But I do think that is likely balanced out by the fact that Enchantress is pool one and she is the only tech card that is ever worth playing, basically. What do you think the likelihood is that we see this in like a top meta deck that's in you know closer to pool complete players? Like does this power likely? Yeah. It's just not enough, even at three three, right? It's not dynamic enough yeah. of a card for today's strategies, I feel it's like it goes three three to three seven and 
that is a fine card. I don't think it's impossible, but I think it is unlikely and it would be like for specific cases. Yeah. All right. On to the questions before we get into them. I want to say thank you to everyone who fielded these questions to us, fielded these questions to us both on discord and on YouTube. Uh, we picked out a lot of them. We had to trim a few, but we, do, we have a shitload of questions to be honest. So let's just get right into it. The first is from, you know, speaking of the old days of Marvel snap, speaking of OGs, mm. the first is from the human spider and they My say, boy, what are your expectations for the next year of the game's content, new features, economy, model, etc." I have no expectations. I'm extremely grateful that I have what I have, and I don't want to put expectations on that and make myself unhappy when I don't meet them. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep, you know, showing up, doing the work, trying to be better every day, both as a person and as a player. And hopefully that will be borne out by success. So we don't have to crack this egg quite yet, but one, one of the questions for me that comes in relation to this, and it comes up again later in some of the other questions we have that referred to this specifically, but like, what does competitive play for 2024 Marvel Snap look like? Like, are we going to see an expansion into competitive play? Are we going to see more grassroots tournaments? Can grassroots tournaments survive without the support of second dinner? Or are we going to see the game go in a more casual angle, which it seems like it kind of has been for a while. And let me know if I'm off base there at all. I don't care what direction it goes. I like doing what I do. Mm-hmm. And as far as like the likelihood for second dinner to start doing this stuff, I think it's unlikely. I think it got less likely when Newverse announced that they were winding down because or bite dance, I suppose. Um because when you look at events like Conquerors, those are run through Newverse through bite dance. Those are almost entirely external to the second dinner team. And those are the people to whom I would be like pitching various events like that. It's the new verse people, not to the second dinner people. Like when I talked about multiverse madness, the person I pitched that to was not on the second dinner team. And the. Interesting thing, I think, about tournaments, grassroots tournaments is I just don't know how they're supposed to make money. Yeah. How do they make money for anybody, right? That's the difference between uh, paper. I think it has to be someone like me, right? Like, it has to be someone like me running these tournaments. And I can make the money back on on views and maybe a YouTube video. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the only way I could do it. And I wouldn't be able to, like, afford too much of that. It's something I've thought about, right? Like, could I go to SnapFan and be like, look, let's run this on my channel. I'll pay for the prizes, you get the branding, and hopefully that's enough. Like, I, I just I just don't know. Yeah. It's definitely something like I've, I've considered because like I know I lost money on best of the besties, um, which is fine. That's how it goes, right? But if I'm losing money on a streamer tournament where I set it as a sub goal, I can't imagine how much money people are losing on things like that when they're not being reimbursed at all. Yeah. Like, the thing is, like, who's going to sponsor a Marvel Snap turn? Like, a third-party sponsor, right? If you're doing grassroots, who's going to sponsor that? Because who actually has a direct funnel um, outside of, like, the audience into an actual product the audience is interested in? Like, there are no supplementary products for Marvel Snap. Like, what? A phone? So it could be, like, a phone brand company. But other than that, it's like, there's not that symbiotic relationship that there is in paper card games where you just go through, like game stores, online retailers, et cetera, where they 
you know, effectively it could be like, oh, you see this deck on screen, one click checkout, fill your fill your uh, shopping cart with the deck, checkout, affiliate link, all of that. And it's like super easy. But I remember, like I remember when we were in, um, when we were in the UK for that tournament, like the sponsor was like, in, like a lawyer. And Glap. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, no, he's just like a guy who likes Marvel Snap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. And shout out to him. Like, yeah, like a, a single-handedly bankrolling the competitive scene, but it's like, yeah, it's literally just a guy that likes Marvel Snap. That's 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 the people who could do this. And by the way, you know, if you want to do that, hit me up, dude. I'll totally run some tournaments. But like, it's it's very odd, right? I feel like I'm one of the few people who's like in a position where I can actually try to make something happen, but I don't know how. Uh, I have like the contacts of the people who run tournaments. Like Alphos is the guy who runs yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, almost uh, every tournament that you've ever played in. Actually, yeah, me too. <laughs> and uh, I'd be I'd be happy to pay him what he would ask for in order to do that but it's like okay i need to pay the to i need to pay the prizes and so it ends up being like whatever the prize is plus x for the to plus whatever time i need to spend hopefully very little uh doing all the rest of this and and it it's something i really wish made financial sense for yeah me. well Let me put it that there's way. really only one guarantee if you're putting on the tournament is that's definitely going to be a pain in the ass <laughs> like it's just yeah. like it's hard like it's hard um you know and when these tournaments happen like there's i don't know it feels like there's always like um you know there's always like some kind of drama it's like there's so many rules you have to actually have in place and it's like there's People so always many get things mad at me to, so in, many in, things even in manage. best of the besties where i was giving away battle passes for free and there was no payment for entry People are getting mad because like they didn't queue up their games in time. Yeah, it's, and it's like it's tough. That's the rules. I can't. I'm sorry. All I can say about putting on tournaments is like it's definitely work. It's not like this like casual thing you just do. Like yeah. it is. It is a feat for sure. But yep. I hope it happens because I'll maintain that. I think the Marvel Snap in terms of like uh, like a viewer game to watch like a card game that like a viewer could watch and be excited about and not need infinite domain knowledge to understand with like like magic the gathering like flesh and blood like snap is just the best like it is such a good spectator card game i think that's why people like watching streams so much but i wish that it had had its chance to maybe be one of those higher end um if they do a spectator client i'll run a tournament regardless of how expensive yeah speaking of yeah they also need a way to spectate the games in a better way i i one thing i'll say is kind of unrelated, a bit of a tangent, but when it comes to watching Marvel Snap competitively or spectating it, I do think that the not seeing both hands is better than seeing the one. I think when you see uh, both, sure, yeah. Well, that's actually you know not everybody agrees there. A lot of people want to see both hands. I think if you're more competitive and you're like you're already very good at the game, you might want to see both so you can see the decision lines. But in terms of like tension and like yeah, yeah, building up the narrative, definitely the one hands for sure. All right. Next one here is from Teebs. They say, <clears throat> what are your favorite gaming trips slash events you've been to? Well, I'll have to ask you, Cam, first. Have you been to any gaming trips no. or events? Pro- well, you have been the one now. Other than Hong Kong. Yeah, well, you it. have been now. You have been now. Yeah. Okay. So you never traveled near uh, like oh, a GP oh, from Magic? No, I, at one time in 2013, I think. No. I can tell you what standard format it was for Magic the Gathering. It was post-ban new Phyrexia format. So post-Jace uh, Stoneforge bans. I went to a PTQ with one of my friends in the city that he lived in. I stayed at his house and I learned he was unfathomably wealthy, like the kind of wealthy where it's like, I'm afraid to touch that statue because if it breaks, I'll be an indentured servitude. Um, 
but I couldn't get to sleep. I just felt like I was itching. Mm. I felt like I was itching. I was just like, I couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't figure the, out what it the was. The thread count was too high on those. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I went to a PTQ and I played Pascal Maynard's uh, version of post-band blue-white control with Squadron Hawk and a five and a five mana enchantment like three you you uh your flying creatures get plus two and your opponent's non-flying creatures get minus two or something it was it was it was uh only ever good for a week if ever and i went like four and four or something this is before i was good at card games Mm -hmm. that's my other trip so yes my best one is definitely going to hong kong okay (laughs) yeah well i've been on Quite a lot now because uh, I travel a lot for Flesh and Blood, I guess. So my best one was I went Pro Tour Lille. We went to France, which wasn't the best part of that trip, but I, st- I did five weeks in Europe. And that what do you have about France? What do you have against France? Uh, Lille, France. It was just I don't know. It just wasn't my favorite place to be honest. It was really hot. There was no air conditioning whatsoever. So it was just not a good time of the year, and okay. it was pretty inconvenient to be honest. And the rest of the trip just overshadowed it because I was in <clears throat> you know Switzerland, Amsterdam. All those kind of play. But yeah, anyway, that was my favorite. And I have to recommend that to anybody that travels for card games. Like there's this card gamer mindset where you just fly in for the weekend, you fly out. Uh, if you can, don't do that. Definitely take the time to go see the area because it's worth it in the long run, I feel. And yeah, that trip was sick. Like five weeks was was dope. So um, yeah, for me, it was Pro Tour Lille. And then I went to, for all the locations I went to, I went from France, France to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Germany and Germany, I did Berlin, Hamburg, Dortmund, and then there to Switzerland to Zurich. After that to Vienna, Vienna, Paris, home. That yeah, was dope. It was dope. Recommend it if you guys can. If you ever have a chance to to travel for card games, definitely try to see the location if it's like abroad or somewhere you haven't been. Um, I've also done a lot of traveling in the U.S., which has been really cool as well. All right, next one is from Ratmus. They say, "Where, uh, uh, sorry, where to snap stand?" Versus other games in in that domain uh, right now. So like versus other digital card games, where where does it stand? It's the best digital card game there is. Yeah, I think like so. I can't really argue with that. It uh, the game is so damn good. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> some people would. So what would they like? What would be the argument against that? What because money could be money. I think that the um. You know, we talked about this a lot in the early days of the snapshot, which was, you know, you cut down the game time to these bite-sized games. You like compress the the dopamine, like the uh, sort of the the moments. Like, do you lose some essence of what makes a card game a card game when you go away from those thirty to forty-five minute matches? And I think no, no, I think no. But I'm sure there are people that think yes, and that's what I think the essence of card gaming that's being lost is the skill set of playing to your outs rather than just retreating. Mm-hmm. That's that's the essence of card gaming that Snap does not have. Okay. Okay, but yeah, I agree. I think that it's the the best digital card game out there right now. And I'm interested to see what 2024 and 2025 is going to mean for the space because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, potential developers and publishers out there that saw the success of Snap and they see that there's a market for it. And maybe us as consumers, as players, will be spoiled with you know, a bunch of new games coming out. And less, yeah, like DC online. Dual Force. <laughs> that one was so bad, bro. I don't know why people were smoking the copium on that one. You but. heard, you heard the news, right? They just, they just shut yeah, down. Yeah, I did. And I actually feel bad. I, I, I never thought the game was good, but it's one of those things that's like, damn, 
you know, maybe if I tried to promote this game, they wouldn't be shut down. I don't know. Like, I, I, I definitely feel bad because I know Willow, who was a big snap person way back in the early days, was like got really into Dual Force, was like an unofficial community rep type guy. And so I, I feel terrible for him. Yeah, I, I played it's I like, I just like, I, 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 I no, I looked at it okay. and I was like, this looks terrible. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, oh, I thought the game was awesome. No, I, I looked at it and I was like, this is a game from 2016 that yeah. looks like a game from 2014. No, I'm good. Yeah, I tried it. Um, It was, I didn't like it. <laughs> People were like, oh, it's like Snap. It, it's not like Snap. <laughs> it, it wasn't. No. I didn't think it was like Snap. But also, I just don't think you can launch with the, you can't launch with the UI like that in 2023. They might as well have just, yep. you know, waited and just, uh, made that UI better and then yeah I don't know a million reasons but we'll see there's going to be a lot more a lot more um, card games like that coming in the future and eventually one of them might get it right yeah we'll see alright next one is from Miki they say what's your favorite movie from your childhood and does it hold up Blazing Saddles and yes what is Blazing Saddles I've never heard of this movie are you serious I've never heard of it oh, I've never even heard shit. those two words next to each other that's unbelievable <laughs> Have, do you know who Mel Brooks is no Oh my god. Oh my god. What is the plot to this movie? I cannot explain it. <laughs> I will simply request that you go watch it. Blazing it Saddles. Is Blazing Saddles. It is a satire on old west movies okay. and racism. Okay. Yeah, I've I've literally never heard of it. Is it how old is it? Is it from the 90s very. or Okay, so No, it's, it's very old. Okay, so like it it's 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 an old movie. Okay. Okay. Um but when you're Jewish, right, you have a very steady diet of like specific comedians. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like when you talk about me being a kid, I think like 13 and under. Okay. A lot of Mel Brooks, a lot of Monty Python. That's just like how it works in a Jewish household or mm -hmm. at least my type of Jewish household. Right. Like and I think at the time, I would say my favorite one was probably Spaceballs, which is the Star Wars parody, which I will say holds up a little bit less. But Rick Moranis is fantastic in it. Uh, I I am a big Mel Brooks guy, but his best movie by far is Blazing Saddles. And it's honestly not even close. Mm. As far as Monty Python, probably Life of Brian, but... I also have every episode of like Flying Circus and all their other stuff lying around over there. I can actually see them. They're like right over there. Uh, and yeah, I think if I were to say that my favorite movies, it would it would have to be like one of the like major Monty Python movies, one of the major Mel Brooks movies. Yeah. And for the most part, they hold up, I would say. Uh, I will say there there's like this common thing with Blazing Saddles where like racist people are like they could never make Blazing Saddles today because to be clear, that movie does have some pretty gratuitous use of the N-word as a like satirical device, but also like they're depicting racism. And so a lot of people get up in arms and be like, they could never make Blazing Saddles again today. And to be clear, uh, Blazing Saddles is like one of the most woke movies you'll ever see. <laughs> like it is it is very much interested in portraying the like uh you know savagery and stupidity of racists and it is it is blistering in that effect uh mel brooks and richard pryor wrote it so did you say you is. say you were counting childhood as 13 and under or 13 and up? yeah under under 13 and under yeah yeah i don't think because like yeah. that that again jewish right bar mitzvah when you're 13 you're like technically an adult yeah 13 mm -hmm. and under all right so uh yeah, I probably just have to go off the quantity watch because my memory is not very good. Um, I don't know. I watched. I 
watched Night at the Roxbury like probably like 50 times or something like that. My friends thought that movie was hilarious when I was a kid. Um, and then, I don't know, every time I, I remember it was like back in the summers, we used to always go to like one of like my grandparents' house and I just had like the Indiana Jones movies on DVD or VHS. Sure. And yeah, I just watched a lot of those, which I watched one on the plane on my way back from uh, Barcelona. The old ones, they hold up to answer the question. They do. The new ones, holy, they're terrible. So <laughs> very good. Oh, I actually had never seen what is that? What is the the something of doom? I don't know. Temple of Doom. Yeah. That's not a new one. I know, I know it's not a new one, but I had actually never seen that one because we only had the other DVD. So I watched it for the first time uh, when I was on the airplane. I was like, what is going on? It was just so bizarre, to be honest. Uh, but I didn't even know that was a movie. Um, uh, no, yeah, that 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 that's that's uh, that's definitely one of them. Yeah. The Indiana Jones was never in my bag. Of the like Spielberg Lucasfilm Nexus, I was very much a Star Wars guy. Okay. Yeah. That was that was my that was my thing at the time for sure. Uh the classic nineties kid thing of like filming yourself and your friends fighting with lightsabers like you were in Star Wars. Oh, the dream, dude. Yeah. I actually oh, so I actually good. never one time never oh my god. One time my I must have been like six or seven years old. But to be clear, I was a huge crybaby at the time. So mm. like this is like a normal outcome for me. Uh, I I dressed up. My mom made this amazing Halloween costume. Like she put so much effort into making me like a vampire or something. Right. My friend comes over and he's dressed as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I immediately realize I would so much rather be a Jedi. And I start crying until that happens. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for my poor mother. You guys are way cooler than me. I think I was an Eminem. Nice. Yeah. That's a classic right there from the 90s. Just an M&M. <laughs> All right. Next one is from uh, Jammernaut. They say, do you think uh, Snap can foster an equitable and thriving competitive scene without second dinner support? So we already kind of answered that. Um, uh, not without a spectator client. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that, that's a good that way, is, it's a, would, it's a good way to yeah. tie it up. You know, I agree with you, though, because like when I watch... I watch pretty much every tournament that's been available. Um, I, that's why I'm super strict. I'm like, it should be the one hand because you don't have like the lag and the delay between the two hands as well. But damn, yeah, we need one of those. We need, and also, it would be cool to have like a friends list and be able to watch your friends' games and all stuff like it that. It would. It would. One day. All right. Next one is from EXO. Aside from card games, what other video game genres do you play? Which one do you like the most and which one do you hate? Do you play video games? I'm a I'm a big, big, big Monster Hunter guy and have been since like 2006. I played Monster Hunter Freedom on the PSP. I played Freedom 2. I played Portable Second G, a.k.a. Freedom Unite. I got an an, an English patch to play that earlier. Shout mm -hmm. out to Custom Firmware on the PSP. Uh, I I played in third. I played four for you. I have the one on the Switch. I still know people from Monster Hunter forums from 15 years ago. <laughs> like, that is that is uh, it, it is definitely like an interesting situation. Yeah. Uh, so Monster Hunter is probably that series for me. I actually started playing Demon Souls on the PS3 because it was like Monster Hunter. And I would have never guessed in a million years that that game was the one that blew up. Now, both of those games are huge and I'm not cool anymore. <laughs> but I, I, I was I was playing Demon Souls on the PS3 uh, Vitality Gouge Northern Regalia build for anybody who remembers what those words mean. 
Uh, I also I played a lot of uh, the the health restore weapons, like a faith a faith tank build because I was a huge coward. And I would just roll around using the uh, the ground pound on the axe and the very wide range of the claymore. That would happen a lot back in Demon Souls and. In Monster Hunter at the time, I was a greatsword main, but they've sort of complexed up greatsword. I played a lot of greatsword and hammer when they were like uh, simple and expressive weapons. But now they're like, you know, oh, you got to do like go through this charge to get to this charge. And it's like, I don't I don't want to do that. That sucks. I'm bored. Mm. Uh, so I haven't played Monster Hunter a very long time, but mostly I would describe like difficult action RPGs as as the type of game I enjoy playing. Yeah, well. I guess nobody knows about this about me, but I'm actually, I'm kind of a gamer, probably to a huge detriment to like my life, but mm. I played a, I played a lot. Um, I don't know, I played like 15 plus years of World of Warcraft. I used to race, do the race to world first and stuff like that. And I quit right before esports and money came into the scene. So awesome. Um, mm. So yeah, I used to do that a lot. I played a lot of FPS games, like first person shooters. Uh, I used to play Apex professionally, like back in the early days, my brother was like a pro Overwatch player um nowadays i play a game called dark and darker wait who's your brother uh you wouldn't know, know who he is no it's all okay. early day stuff like you know like the beta like season one stuff like that mm. um so no, but he played with people you might recognize if you know like some of the big cs guys um like steel and stuff like that anyway right now i play a game called dark and darker which is like in a it's kind of like a dungeon crawler extraction looter shoot looter game so basically you go in with gear uh and it's like it's permadeath so if you die it's it's, it's all tarkov it's tarkov but it's like a fantasy tarkov yeah it's sure. exactly like tarkov um yeah and they have ranked so i play that game way too much i've been taking a break recently because i got the highest rank for the season but i play shitload of dark and darker basically um and yeah i don't know honestly right now i'm like once i hit 30 years old maybe i just gotta stop playing video games because i just get way too addicted way too addicted I do not have a healthy relationship with video games at all, at all. All right. Um, also, don't play single player games. You you sound like you you play some single player games. Yeah, I enjoy. It's not necessarily that I wouldn't play PvP. Like I played. Like I was in. Like oh my god, in Demon Souls, there was the Demon Souls wiki dot had an IRC, and I was in that IRC, and we would arrange duels with one another to see who the best, like, like that, that, I was in the very early stages of Demon Souls competitive PvP, under a different name, but if any of you remember the Demon Souls wiki dot IRC, reach out, I, I, I've always wondered what happened to those people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that don't even know what IRC stands there for. Were like 26 people in that chat room so like it seems unlikely yeah for me um yeah for some reason i just can't really i don't know i just it's maybe why i can't play like commander stuff but i just don't have the patience for like single players i played a couple single player games in my life one being portal um the other one being elden ring other than that i just can't do it i don't know why you know, i still haven't played elden ring it's worth it i mean you can save everyone it. everyone says it's like oh it's the greatest game ever but it's like it will be good in 10 years too so you can save it you're good. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God, I'll tell you one game I've played way too much. Hmm. This is the one people are going to get mad at me for. I've, I, I've probably bought Skyrim like five times. Yeah, that's it's an archetype of person right there. Yeah, that plays infinite I, Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can tell you, like, if you put me in the world, I will be able to know exactly where I am and what what like radiant quests are in the yeah. locations. You said you me. said that would piss everything. people off. Yeah. You know what will piss people off more? Uh, I've never played Skyrim. 
That's dude. That's way more. That's way more. <laughs> way more. I feel like I'm worse because I'm rewarding Todd Howard. Mm. I've I watched my friend play. I never played the game. Um, I'm also like a bit of an Elder Scrolls lore nerd. That lore it's is kind of fascinating. The lore it's is actually insane. It's like it's you, very so much lore behind the Elder Scrolls. I I, yeah. I go down that YouTube video <laughs> rabbit but then, hole. Then then you come out the other side and you're like, actually, all Elder Scrolls lore is just people being racist to each other. It's very cool that they invented a world where like every race is insanely racist toward every other race, and it's just canon. Like, 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 <laughs> they have like there is so much canon racism in the Elder Scrolls games. It's honestly incredible. Like the origin story of orcs, it's unclear if it is literal or if it is just calling them shit people. Mm. Like that is like it's unclear if it is a literal thing that happened. Or if it is just like elves being racist and writing a myth that justifies it. Like it's 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 a very, very, very fascinating world. But also probably like short of Warhammer 40K, it is difficult to find a world where there is more in-universe racism, I think. Mm. I uh, have read a couple of Warhammer 40K books and mm -hmm. I, I did like them. I'm not going to lie. Some of them are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy 40k almost purely as a like outside observer mm. where like someone will post a meme and I'll understand the context of the meme enough that I get the joke and it's funny, but I would never play it in a million years. Oh, the yeah, the game, the the tabletop game. Yeah. Yeah. Not happening. Honestly, every I so this this is a real tangent, but when I was a kid, I remember when we, I'd walk around the mall and see the games workshop store with like oh, little, yeah. that. That shit was hot. <laughs> it's so I, I made my dad. I was in Italy. This is like what you're supposed to like experience culture. Mm -hmm. We went to a game store. I made him buy me a greater demon of corn. That's the one thing I remember about Italy. That's it. Yeah. I remember nothing else. It was, uh, it was a bloodthirster, I think. And, I would uh, actually, that's the only thing I remember about Italy. Honestly, the game looks like it might be fun to play, but I can't imagine like buying an army. It being yeah hey, doing all the shit that it takes to have the army and yeah. then like they like nerf it <laughs> like you talk about nerfing, <laughs> nerfing a marvel snap card like i mean oh, man. that seems brutal all right the next one is from panda boy they say you guys talk a lot about mtg but it seems like mostly older decks because we're older yes. people <laughs> do you have any thoughts about the more recent direction of mtg sus widget uh the no, no, I'm not informed enough i know i know i feel like this is a leading question where they want me to be like oh it sucks but I'm simply not informed enough. I stopped playing the last the last magic set I played uh, was Oko. OK. And uh, yeah, I stopped playing. So I play paper card games um, a lot. So I'm making, I guess, somewhat of a choice not to play magic these days. A lot of people in those other games are playing. Uh, they do play magic. They come from magic. Uh, I, I don't like the direction that it's gone in with uh, like some of the I don't like the expanded universe stuff is so hit or miss for me, to be honest, because I'm a casual with magic. Like it actually matters to me. Like it actually kind of matters that it's like fl flavorful. If I was a spike, it wouldn't matter. It really wouldn't matter. But because I want to engage with the game casually, it does kind of matter when I like really don't like the universe, like the expanded universe beyond, or I don't know anything about that lore. So um, yeah. I thought the Lord of the Rings ones are sweet, but recently I'm just like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like I it's know for me. an asinine amount about MTG lore. Oh, I know an a lot too. Asinine amount. Yeah. I know way more than anyone should ever know. I know that they misspelled the name Corona at the end of the Legion's novel because they could give a fuck less about it. Mm. I, I I know 
who Zagorka is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a name that's going to ring any bells for anybody. But yeah, I, I know. I know things that only people with greater neck beards than mine should know. I read the War of the Spark book when it came out. It's one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. I heard it was completely terrible. It was yes. So bad. <laughs> so Just bad. The, the the famous line from it is uh, describing like there, there's a character who's like. I believe a canon lesbian, but at the time they were just sort of teasing it. And in the sh in the book, they wrote her as not a canon lesbian and being attracted to the quote decidedly male uh, jacked guy. It's just like that's such a weird. Everything was weird about that book. I just remember the story sucking ass. <laughs> like it was just so. <laughs> it was just so bad. I just could like. I just remember. I was like. Oh, I'd been listening to shit. this. Um. If you actually like MTG lore, uh, on SoundCloud, there's a, there's like a group or a comp, whatever. It's called Voice of All. They do voice acting for all of like the old Magic the Gathering stories. And they have like individual voice actors for every, it's really, really good. So I was kind of into it at that point and I got the book and I was just like, this is the pile of hot garbage. Like this is so famously bad. bad yes. Yeah. So surprising. I still remember where I was when they released the trailer for War of the Spark and it was set to a cover of Linkin Parks. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, God, what was the cover? And then and then like six months later, Donald Trump tweeted a video using that cover and got copyright claimed. <laughs> that video they was that video was insane, though. That was sparse. I, I remember watching it in like the parking lot of a Dunkin Donuts or something yeah. in my car. I was just like, oh, my God, the game is it's 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 so hype. It's going to be so sick. And then the story was just like garbage. Yeah. I also hated that limited format. I know some people loved it, but holy shit, the planes. I uh, I I just hated that my boy Gideon died. Mm. Can't have one jacked man in the show. Come on now. All right. Next one is from Tristan Keen. They say, "What is your favorite mirror match of all time? Which meta had the most engaging mirror between the top decks?" Uh, in Snap, my favorite mirror match of all time. Jeez. I would guess it would be move mid-range. Everyone else hated it, but I liked it. <laughs> Low-key mirrors are also kind of fun. Uh, mirrors in general are sort of fundamentally draw-dependent in a way that, you know, all, all card games are draw-dependent, but mirrors really shine a light on it. And so decks where a lot of your cards are very similar uh, and you can leverage play skill and a better understanding of the situation and when to snap. Decks that I have a lot of experience on tend to be the decks that I like most in mirrors. So I don't think it's actually like uh, this isn't actually a fair question because I won't be able to evaluate how good the mirrors were, just how good I was at the mirrors. Mm. And the ones that I'm naming off are the ones where I want a lot of mirrors. So obviously I like those mirrors, right? Like, I don't think I don't think there's actually a way for me to look at this and say, give you an objective answer for what the best mirrors were. I can just tell you the ones that I won the most. I like to uh, like bounce mirrors like uh, back in the days of like pink print and stuff. It just felt like you had so many you were deploying so many points at the end of the game that um, you had a lot of agency to go into multiple lanes. You kind of had to read your opponent where they're going. That being said, set like fucking I don't know how much percent of the location of the game absolutely hose bounce. So sometimes you're just yep. playing with two, but still it was relatively not deterministic and it felt like there was a lot of play skill and kind of playing around your opponent. So I like that. All right. J Jameson Wills Williams. What game would you be playing? Jameson if Williams. <laughs> Jameson like Williams. The the like the 
the the football player? I don't know. I was there's a there's a football player. He's on the Lions. He used to play for Alabama. I'm a big fan. Shout out JMO. But I'm guessing this is actually just a liquor reference. Mm. I don't Jam- know. Like Jameson and then Evan Williams. But uh, maybe it actually is Jameson Williams. Okay. You can be offending a football player right now. Like if it's actually JMO, I mean, all right. One of my favorite players. It's a shame he got injured in the national championship game. Actually, kind of devastating. I feel like we lost because of that. But anyway, continue. What game would you be playing if Marvel Snap did not exist? Would Cam have gone full time? Uh, would Cam have gone full time as a streamer for something else? If I was making enough money to go full time as a streamer, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that uh, that presupposes uh, another question, which you kind of answered there, which is like, is full time streaming kind of like a dream job over any other job in that case? Because you're just like, uh, no, I just think that like right now, I was in a situation where. I was splitting my time between full-time streaming and working my actual job, and that had some negative impacts on both. Mm-hmm. And so when it became clear that I had to pick one, uh, full-time streaming probably makes me a little less money once you count in health insurance, but as long as it's an actual job, I'm very happy to do it. Obviously, if there was a vast disparity in pay, I would probably choose the actual job. Yeah. How often do you find... This is my question. How often do you find yourself like hopping on to stream and you're like shit i really don't want to play i really don't want to play right now not if it's the game but also just like i just don't feel like doing it today or on those almost days you just not do never it. okay that's good on those days i just don't do it like almost never do i do i feel like that yeah because that's like the grind of streaming um it's good to have the agency not to do that but uh, streaming is like one of those things where i'm not a streamer but from what i understand like consistency is very key so it's it, I know some people feel like it's hard to take days off and even to take time off of like whatever game is like burning them out at the time as well um, can be not great for their stream health. Yeah. So it can be a grind. But it's good you don't feel that it way. Can. What game would we be playing if Marvel Snap did not exist? Would you be playing I have, card I game? I have no idea. Maybe, maybe not. I really, I honestly don't know. Uh, there's definitely not like a backup that I have in mind. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably just be playing Flesh and Blood to be honest. Um, and I don't know. I'm just, I got a thing for new card games. So I'd probably play the new card game that comes out as well. <laughs> All right. Chansky. Uh, got a question for Cam Best. <clears throat> what did you do? <clears throat> Excuse me. What did you do before you transitioned into full-time content creation? And what made you make the switch? So somewhat related. Uh, no comment. What made you make I, the switch I, though? I, Talk about the switch. Uh, I got fired. Okay. <laughs> but you also had a foundation in which you had the opportunity yes. to do that. I think Correct. that, so like, I think it comes a bit natural to you because you're in a position right now, but there's probably a lot of people listening to this. I'm not saying that they aspire to do that, but the path to become a full-time streamer and to become relatively successful at it is very, very unclear. So I think that's why. Yeah, I have no idea what I did. I've got absolutely no idea. I just went, I think in the early days, you just streamed a lot and (laughs) I honestly think a lot and win a lot. Yeah, that was probably it. I mean, that's yeah, just consistency. All right. Stellaform. Congrats on the one year, guys. Mailbag question. What kind of music do you listen to and what are your favorite bands slash artists? Oh, Let, first, uh, let's hold on. Let's okay. let's guess first what the okay. other one listens to. You want to guess? Guess me. You guess first. You? Yeah. You listen to like... you probably seen okay. my Twitter or so something. It's not, it's not like full metal. Mm-hmm. But like I would say you listen to like hardcore music. Yep. Did you see that on my yep. Twitter or something? With my- no, I'm just guessing. I'm oh, guessing based it. on vibes and tattoos. Like yeah. it's not full metal, but like it's 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 in that range. Yeah, I mean it depends if you qualify as full metal, but like my top bands, because like we all had Spotify wrapped. So my top band was Tool, which is like not yeah. that hardcore, but you know, when I'm running, I just gotta 
Tool is just the band. Uh, my second was actually like Slipknot, but then it's like all these other like <clears throat> OG hardcore bands from like the New York scene, like Dry Kill Logic, and um, I don't know. I was listening to a lot of like Chevelle and shit. And I'm re- rediscovering Metallica right now, which you're like everybody knows Metallica. I'm I'm actually listening through the albums, and that band that band definitely owns. going through a death magnetic phase. That band owns, to be honest. I was, I'm not pretty surprised. So yeah, that's my genre. I have to guess sure. for you now. Oh jeez. Yeah. I kind of feel like. I don't know why, but I feel like you, I know you listen to, you have stream music. So I know you listen to classic mm-hmm. rock. I listen to a lot of cra- classic rock as well. I don't know if it's like my go-to every day, but it's like, that's probably 50% of my Spotify like songs. I honestly think you also, I think you listen to like metal and rock as well. No, you're way off. Fuck. A hundred percent of my playlist is hip hop. Okay. Uh, 100% of my playlist is, is like, that's what I'm listening to at the gym. Uh, one of the major things that showed up on my Spotify wrapped was like various songs by people like Shoreline Mafia, which broke up, but like, uh, OGZ ended up pretty close to the top of my Spotify wrapped. Uh, I listened to a, a probably a lot more Gucci main than most people do. I think three, six mafia is the most underrated and arguably the best rap group so of all time. Flob on my knob. <laughs> That's I do That's keep making reference. that reference. Yeah. Yes, yes. But also like a uh, project Pat future, but not like new future, like old future, like 56 nights and before tends to be the range for me. I've been in a polo G recently. Uh, a little bit of Nipsey Hustle sometimes, but not as much as he probably deserves. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going through. I'm going through my gym playlist right now. These are liked songs. It's just everything that I have. Like my gym playlist is just songs that I've liked on Spotify, and I just I just put them on shuffle usually. Uh, stuff like let's see. Uh, shout out Trapland Pat. I actually really enjoyed. That's like a relatively new artist. Uh, there's a lot of E40 on here. <laughs> there's a decent amount of early Lil Wayne. And by early, I mean like through the mid 2000s before like I am not a human being, basically a decent amount of Cameron. I'm a big fan of clips, uh, Pusha T and Malice. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? What else am I? What else am I looking at here? So, like, basically what you get is a lot of Southern rap, a lot of West Coast stuff. And those are, like, the specific subgenres you find a lot of here. But it tends to be higher energy than the, like, more modern, like, uh, sort of empty, stripped down, like, trap beats. I, I tend to prefer a little bit higher energy in that context. So, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, like, I would rather listen to, like, a Young Chop beat than a Metro Boomin beat. Uh, for anyone who knows what the hell, <laughs> what the hell that means, I don't think there's going to be a lot of a lot of overlap there. Uh, other than that, I think that pretty much covers my my basic. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers what what, what I listen to most of the time. Uh, the classic rock is because I don't think it would be appropriate to stream and just play like a million songs that are just full of the N word all the time on my stream that just seems drastically inappropriate. Like if I'm listening to it in my headphones, that's one thing. But if I'm listening to it like on stream, it's definitely going to create like a certain environment that I probably do not want to cultivate. I wanted to have something that's like a little bit more uh, welcoming. So like the classic rock playlist I have, it's it's like 
it's just like surface level classic rock yeah. that I enjoy and like singing along to. It's basically like a karaoke playlist. Do you it's hear your music while you stream? Sometimes. Okay. Uh, depending on like how I do how I do my audio setup that day. And then the lo-fi is purely for DMCA purposes. Yeah. Lo-fi is the go-to for just like a chill the DMCA. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Um, next one, Snowpoint. Middle question. Has there ever been a meta where you would just stop playing if you were not a content creator? Nope, not yet. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's different for me because I don't stream. Um, I don't know. Whenever I get sick of a meta, I don't have to play it every day because I'm not a streamer. <laughs> so, no. There's nothing in particular. I've just been like, this is terrible. Um, so, no. I, I, that's the thing about Marvel Snap. I don't know. It's one of those games where, at least with the way I engage with it, I tend to not burn myself out. So I don't, I don't get that feeling. I have a very healthy, healthy relationship with the game right now. I probably wouldn't if I was playing for leaderboard. I'd probably have an answer to that. <laughs> All right, next one is Anthony M88. Non-snap-related question. I've noticed quite on quite a few occasions Cam is wearing a one-piece shirt in these videos. True. Right now, I am, actually. Is One like Piece that, this is... your favorite anime, Cam? If so, who's your favorite character and why? If not, what is your favorite anime in general? And Brendan, are you an anime fan? If so, what is your favorite series? Uh, my favorite anime is Neon Genesis Evangelion, actually. I enjoyed the rebuilds as well. Um, One Piece is just a larger... I mean, obviously, it's very, very good. But yes, my favorite one is still uh, Ava. Um, As far as... I, just, I guess, honestly, I just think that Ava deals with, like, the subject matter. Like, the, the fundamental message of Ava is is... That even though people hurt each other, it's still worth reaching out rather than growing only inward. And I just I really enjoy that. And my favorite One Piece characters tend to be everyone who dresses amazingly. Like, I don't analyze One Piece on the same level as something like Ava, right? Where it's like with Ava, I'm like reading into, for example, okay. Uh, what does it mean in the third rebuild that Kaoru says these are the wrong spheres? Has he just been going through this time loop and resetting it every time? Like, like that, you don't know what those words mean. That's fine. In One Piece, I'm big on the theories, but I also, like, there's a lot more ability to enjoy it on a surface level, which is to say, I can just be like, yo, I really enjoy the character of Don Quixote Doflamingo. I love Don Quixote Doflamingo. Actually, I, I just love him from the One Piece card game. I think it's hilarious. He rules. I love it. Like, like there's just like so much flashy shit in One Piece. Yeah. Like this shirt's Admiral Kizaru. I love him. He has like very little limited appearances, but like there's this great moment where like a famous pirate points a gun at him and he just looks at that pirate and he's like, ooh. <laughs> Like it's, I don't know. There's just like little character beats. I enjoy the people who make me laugh in One Piece, and uh, that's that's like obviously yes. I could talk to you for a while about like various theories and what will happen in that. But yeah, I, I would say that it is not my favorite anime of all time. Mm-hmm. Probably no. Uh, my favorite series is called Ergo Proxy. It's like a psych thriller anime. It's a slow burn. Um, and yeah, it's it's definitely a hidden gem if you haven't seen it yet. For for those who know, they'll know. 
Uh, if you, <laughs> I was, I was, I was actually thinking about the whole time you're talking. I was like, what am I gonna say if Cam asked me what Ergo, like, what is, the, what is Ergo Proxy about? What is the plot? I'm just, I have no. Fun. I'm not asking you. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's one I'll, of the. It's I'll one. Of, it's one of those series where it's like, uh, it's kind of whatever you think it is, to be honest. But yeah, it's it's really a hidden gem. Oh, it's so good. All right. Next one is from Mako Splat. Question: Talking weightlifting, Cam. What is your strategy for building muscle? Keep it up, boys. Go to the gym. Go gym. <laughs> People love talking about like one thing that like especially nerds fall into is I got to find the optimal thing to do. I got to watch 12 videos and listen to a podcast by a guy who used to be a Navy SEAL before I can go to the fucking gym. No, you don't go to the gym. <laughs> I saw the, show up, do the work. I saw the funniest TikTok about that the other day. You know, like real. It was just like talking about, I don't know. Yeah. People are, people definitely over optimize these days. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you just gotta. That's the funny thing. It's like if anybody ever asks and they haven't hit step one yet, which is just go. It's like just do that first. Yep, just do that. Just go. That that my number one strategy is go. Oh, you that that lift you want to lift more of? We'll try to lift more of it. (laughs) It's like you get out exactly what you put in. The gym is you get out exactly what you put in. You get what you train for. You eat like shit. You're gonna get fat. I'm eating like shit right now. I'm skipping the gym a lot because I'm doing a lot of content. It has resulted in negative outcomes. You get out what you put in. Yeah. I do think, though, that if you consider, if you're considering it and you're like, should I do it? Should I not? Uh, It's definitely worth, uh, especially like after like a few years. Like, I don't know. In the beginning, I feel like some people approach it. I definitely didn't approach it because when I first started going to the gym, I was definitely a bit depressed. So that was an outlet for me. But some people, they look at it the wrong way. They're like, oh, if I do this, will I get this result? If I, you know, it's like an if then kind of input output statement. Mm-hmm. But really, you just start going to go and it just become, becomes yep. a part of your lifestyle. And that's kind of like the, that's where you want to be. And yeah. And then you develop an addiction to pre-workout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're using that in the, in its intended way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just pre-workout for the pod all right next one is from boomer boomer says if you could just delete a car from marvel snap what car would you get rid of elias mine probably would have been prof x but i feel like they did that <laughs> yeah. yeah at least you didn't say galactus it's not alive yeah that's already done it's already done don't say that all right r mac pdx what are your 2024 new year's resolutions nothing specific can be related can relate to personal gaming etc i don't do new year's resolutions i feel like it's stupid to have one day where you're like oh i'm gonna do this for the whole year if you could reframe Uh, the question it wasn't a resolution what if it was just like things you want to achieve in 2024 that are just kind of passively accruing in your mind you have any goals no like i i I know this sounds weird, but I don't think of years as distinct. My goal is always the same, and it's to improve. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter in what context that is. Being a better person, being a better boyfriend, being a better lifter, being a better snap player, being a better content creator. That's always the goal. It's, it's not concrete, though. It's just do better. It's about the process, not the results. Yeah. For me, I also don't do New Year's resolutions, but if I was thinking about like 2024, um, I don't know. I probably, 
I talked about it earlier. I might just like quit gaming overall because I think it's I think it's way too toxic for like the human dopamine system. Like if you can't have a healthy relationship with playing video games, like dude, you're on TikTok. That's just as toxic. I, I'm actually not on TikTok at all. I'm not. Oh, like IG Reels? Yeah, you know they get you with that fucking shit. Uh-huh. You know, I go to YouTube mm-hmm. and I get hit by a TikTok or something, or my brother mm-hmm. sends something to me. Um. Anyway, I just think at this point. It's been so long that I'm like, I don't know if my dopamine system can handle having video games in my life because they just become too important and they become too fulfilling and not like completely fulfilling, but they're just like, they're too, too, like they're too easy to access as like a microcosm of success. And that's what video games are. They are a microcosm of success. They're like this little thing you can kind of just pick up and you can have this like little journey where you... You you start something, you're not very good, you learn, you get better, you get better, and you get that you sort of get that feedback system, but I don't know. I think when it's easy you to do that and not do that in life as well. So I just I don't know. I just played too Have many. you considered like gaining fifty pounds and growing a neck beard? No. no. I I mean it's, I was it's an option. You could go that way. I used to be not uh eighty to ninety pounds heavier, so I got close. Yeah, it's an option. Yeah. You could go that way. Yeah. I'm not talking about Snap though, because card games doesn't no problem for me. It's really like the video games because you know when they have leaderboards and stuff, I and mean, you play like 14, 15 hours a day. That's when I start going Ugh, crazy. Well, card games I, don't I, do I, it for I me. I don't do anything. I don't do anything for fifteen hours a day. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I just have a little problem. All right, next one is from Mellow Lemons. They said, if you could pick up a skill from another Marvel Snap player that would make you better overall, what skill would it be, and who would it be from? Snapping like Moyen, snapping like Lambi, snapping like Darrow. Yeah. I feel like snapping like Lambi's like uh one of the first ones that comes to mind. Honestly, I would take Moyen's deck building. That his deck building transcends video games. Or tra- not video games, but transcends games. He's so damn good. Yeah. Man. He's a good deck building. Hearthstone, yeah. uh Snap, Lakana, like it's nuts. I think that's in order. Because I think Dara's like an over aggressive snapper. I just think it would be fun to be an over aggressive snapper. Because I'm an under aggressive snapper. Yeah, Lambie's pretty damn aggressive, too. Yeah. Lambie's the right amount, though. Yeah. Controlled aggression. Controlled. All right, next one's from Torakun. They say, what is your best memory slash memorable experience of Snap for you so far? I wonder if it has to be gameplay related. We'll try to... I'll let you lead. I think it was realizing that I could actually do this. And I'm trying to think of when that happened. Like, I would say there was like, like the, 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 it was probably like when I started blowing up when the game came out, mm-hmm. that was probably it. Yeah. Cause you and, streamed before that, right? Just so people know. Yeah. And then like, you look at my stream charts from that, that those months, it was just, I was streaming every day, four hours, mm-hmm. four or four or five hours every day. And this is while I had another job and like that, like euphoria carried me through being able to do that and set the stage for what I am able to do now. And so that I think is probably my best. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, it was cool to go over to the UK. It was cool to travel uh, for Snap. I think Snap is an incredible game uh, to play competitively, to play at like a LAN uh, kind of environment like i think super fun um very rewarding it was really fun to actually test for this game to have like very active testing to prepare uh and try to like 
have the right decks for an expected metagame. It was really deep, a lot deeper than I expected. Um, and yeah, it was pretty fun 10 owing Lambie as well, you know, scoreboard. Oh, dude, I've done that too. Yeah. Just don't, yeah. he'll never live that one down. Nah. Yeah, I mean, 2 0, snapshot 2 0. <laughs> snapshot 2 0. Uh, yeah, it was just cool. It's cool to travel for a game. It's cool to translate something that is, it starts out as a video game and kind of like this hedonistic outlet for you and transition that into like an actual meaningful life experience where you meet people and like create relationships and, I don't know. That was a dope trip. Uh, if you've never been to, we started in Manchester. That's where the tournament was, but we went to the Scottish Highlands after. Oh, that's that place is awesome. You have to go in the summer, but it was incredible nature. I'd recommend it. All right, MHS. When you were a kid, what did you dream of doing when you grew up? Was it be a streamer? I wanted to be a paleontologist. Paleontologist. I mean, is that dinosaurs? Yeah, dinosaurs. dinosaurs. So it's like an archaeologist for dinosaurs, right? Yeah. I don't know what I wanted to be. I don't remember. Um, I think I wanted to be have more money than I do. Uh, I think I always thought that I was going to have money, but and I thought it was going to be more important in my life than it is, to be honest. <gasps> yeah. For me, it's like one. I, I was watching a show called Um Actually. Shout out to the dropout people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want to go on your show. But like they 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 they've mentioned that like dinosaurs are like people's first nerd fandom a lot of the time, and I have found that to be true <laughs> as a as a former dinosaur guy. I mean, dinos are cool. You know, when you're a kid, dinos it's like a straight line from dinos to Magic the Gathering, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. The last one here is from Lear. They say, "Do you love your current job streaming?" Director DK. Yeah. Good lord. What what do you I, what do you not like about it? The feeling that I have to never stop, uh, where like stopping creates inertia that leads to more stopping. I'm yeah. not the most disciplined guy, so I'm not particularly built for it the way some other people are. But I do what I can, and it's definitely the best job I've ever had. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um. This wasn't directed at me, but. <laughs> Because I have three pods, I do have, I, I will say that there is like a level of, I feel like podcasts for me, I've thought about them, I think they're like horcruxes. Like if you ever seen Harry Potter, you just get, it's like part of your soul. And I'll tell you that I love doing it and it's very rewarding, but it's just part of me that it starts, the responsibility weighs me down a bit because I know I can't just like, it, I just can't stop, you know? Yeah, it's we're all recording mo- this on Christmas Eve right now. Yeah, it's all momentum. Um, and I don't know. It's just like... It's weird. I think that's just how responsibility is in general. <laughs> is it that's how it feels? But yeah, I don't know. It's, it definitely is a. It's 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 like it's probably similar to what you're talking about with streaming. It just feels like you can't stop. Not mm-hmm. necessarily a bad thing, but it's a wait for sure. Yeah. All right, Cam. That's all the questions. That's one year. That's one year of the snapshot. How do you feel? It feels unbelievable. Yeah, that's one year like, of the snapshot. It's one year streaming. I mean, that it's it's a big year. I mean, you're like we if we if we went back two years ago, two years even one year ago, but like a year and a half, two years ago, your life your life would be drastically different. My life was different, but now it's fast forward a whole year. The game's been out for more than a year. Global release. Like, just what are your thoughts on this this journey, just in general? To quote Lou Gehrig, "I am the luckiest man on the face of the earth." <laughs> It is uh, unbelievable, and I'm incredibly grateful to those of you who support me uh, through like Twitch, YouTube, things like that. I'm excited to keep giving you the things that you currently find value in and looking for new ways to give you content that you enjoy. 
I've been really trying to find new things to grow so I don't just stagnate. Mm. And that is an important thing to do. I've been working on that for sure. And I am grateful to every one of you that came along on this journey with me. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about because like we think about things like, I don't know, you, you like you actually are a streamer now. You actually did it. And mm-hmm. it is your job. That is a occupation and a goal that for people that are not there or not associated to people that are there, just haven't done it and want to do, it feels infinitely far away. Like it's almost an impossible thing to do, right? Because there is actually no clear path. There is no linear path. Like you can- I think I'm the floor. Yeah. Right? (laughs) If you want to be a full-time streamer, you have to have at least what I have, I think. Yeah. And not just a streamer, because I wouldn't be able to do it if it was just Twitch, but also a YouTube. Like, that's actually my number one piece of advice. And, and Twitter. I think about it. And Twitter. If you, if you want to be a content creator, diversify. Because I, I think I only started doing YouTube because I saw a tweet from, like, Regis Kilbin about that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I should probably do YouTube. And uh, if it weren't for that, I'd probably be missing 60% of my income right now. Yeah. <laughs> you also do a lot of Twitter content, which I think is like the way you condense the decks every week. Like yeah. that's very, very useful. I mean, it's a huge funnel. Twitter is like your most, one of your most monetizable. Um, I don't think it's monetizable at all. Oh, it's very monetizable. I think it is. I think it's <laughs> it's monetizable and it transcend. It's the most transcendent, right? Like you can move it across games. Like that is like one of the most direct lines you have to your audience. It's just like Twitter, to be honest. I think it's super important. That's why I was always impressed by the how you engage with Twitter. But the no, that's just what I've always done. It's yeah. the exact same thing I did in Magic. Nothing different. It's also super useful. I love the the Sunday decks. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, that, that's where I get my deck list these days. All right. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you enjoy it, and you've been wait, enjoy- Brennan. Is that your dog? Yeah, you can see him. Bring your dog on on screen. I'll try to. Uh, I don't want to t- see your dog. I don't want to tilt my camera down too much, but no, just pick, pick, pick. All right, for audio listeners, you can see my dog. This is JJ. He's like. He's like seven years old now. He's the Hi, older JJ. dog. Um, I think he has to go. I think he has to go potty or something. Because usually this why he's bugging me. I got some big canines. Yeah, damn, that's some big ass teeth. Yeah, he's a good boy. All right. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast for fifty-two weeks and you haven't left a review, you should do that. You can do that on Apple Podcasts <laughs> or Spotify. Or you need to rate this podcast.com slash snapshot. There's a video version of this on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit that subscribe while you're there. We do a bend and snap a listener question section every week. I know that was the whole entire episode, but if you want to get your question read out on next week's episode, you can shoot us a comment on YouTube. Um, and we'll get it queued up. Twitter is Brendan APG at KM Best MS. KM is streaming on what days? Yep. Evenings, most days. <laughs> hey, that's pretty much it at this point. Some days I will take an unannounced break. Some days I will not. And then I will be streaming. The answer is always like, I don't know, five to seven days a week. Uh, evenings usually is the, the time slot. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being here for one entire year. We appreciate it so, so, so much. Here's to another year. We'll see you next time. Merry Christmas, y'all. Oh, by the way, I just hold on before we hold on. The reason I mentioned so many times during this episode that I was Jewish is because it's been 52 episodes of this and he, Brendan did not know until today. Yeah, I know. We've idea. been doing this for, he had no idea. I also, I also some, there was a question. There was a question, technically. Uh, someone asked if I knew your name. Uh, oh, yeah. You don't, do you? I do, do you? I do, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Skill game. Let's go. All right. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week.